you have a podcast and now everybody wants to be friends with you and come on. Welcome back to the Bestman Benchwarmers podcast, the best X-Wing podcast from Michigan and the only podcast from Michigan related to X-Wing. I'm your host, Alex. Just drag him through the rocks, Meryl. And joined by Matt, you have to embrace the ace, Courser. And Cody, I like my ships like I like my steak, Wood. Flanking is the way. And today we're going to bring you the topic of engagements. Really break it down, how to analyze your opponent's list, how you should approach it, if you should joust, kind of roles of your ships. But first, we wanted to talk about what we might be doing a little bit later on this week. We're going to be streaming a couple games, just kind of test it out, probably go back and do some audio commentary over it, see what we were thinking at the time. Do some mind, do some mind games, yeah, I really enjoyed those when uh, GSP did that. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we'd record the whole thing and then speak together about what we're doing so we don't talk over each other the whole time. Sounds like a great idea. Also going on is approaching week three of Kyber Cup, which I never got around to signing up for or doing. So, uh, Matt, Cody, you want to talk about your list? So currently I went with an Imperialist, not really that AC, more of a, I'd say throw together, I guess. So I have Classic Whisper, Passive Sensors, Stealth Device, and Fifth Brother. She's the uh, linchpin of the list, my in-game piece, just able to do so much. And she's still relatively cheap for a cost, even after, what, four nerfs in a row. Next up, I got Grand Inquisitor, naked, just going out there, poking damage, being a nice little bait piece. And last, I have Death Rain. Death Rain has thermal detonators because two actions, three actions a turn is really good. Plus the control piece of being able to throw them is really nice. And I have delayed fuses just so I don't bomb myself while I'm trying to get my actions on them. As well as seismic charges because guaranteed damage is always really nice. I have advanced protorps because having a little bit of alpha on a PS4 ship is really nice. You have to be able to do a lot of damage if they try to get close to Deathwing. And that's a great way of doing it. And in the long range, I didn't have points for barrage rockets, but I did do diamond boron missiles. Just for a little bit of ace control. Splash damage is not as good as burst damage because it's spreading damage around. But anytime you can poke damage in on multiple ships is going to be handy. Same thing with uh, the rest of his job. Overall, I'm 1-1 one one right now. Uh, my last game, I played against a Ray Poe list. And I have to say Deathwing was the MVP of both my games. Because the first game, he did almost all the work while Whisper and Grand Inquisitor were busy landing on rocks and gas clouds for some reason. Mistakes were made. But in this one, Death Rain shot a Diamond Boron at a Shieldless Ray and got three crits. And all three crits were direct hits. 
Poor Ray. <laughs> yeah, poor Ray. Don't, don't don't feel bad for her. I love Ray. I feel so bad fun. for the Falcon, okay? So I'm probably going to change my list up because Kyber Cup does allow you to change your lists after the second week. Just go to my classic triple silences. Give them a go. Matt, what did you bring? I brought I brought Separatist Aces. I brought Sunfock with Ensnare and Gravitic Deflection. Turtek with Ensnare. And then my favorite 60-point ship in the game, General Grievous with Outmaneuver, Impervium Plating, and Soulless One for a degenerate bid of 188. <laughs> Matt, why don't you like your opponents having fun? I, I just love, I love the Nantex. I don't know. It's, I, it's, I have ever since they came out, I've enjoyed them and I know how people feel about them and I'm sympathetic to how they feel about it. But I got paired up against like my least favorite ship to fly against with Sunfock, which was Han Solo. And I got tabled the first round. So, you know, it's just one, it's one of those lists where it's very matchup dependent. It's not, I want to fly against a lot of aces. I don't want to see Han Solo. I don't want to see a lot of swarms. But then I tabled my round two opponent. So, <laughs> will you be changing your list at all? Probably. I I was going through all the lists on Kyber, and there's a lot of there's a lot of triple ace build. But man, there's just there's a lot of large bases. There's a lot of swarms, and I mean, I would love to see a triple ETA list every round, <laughs> but. Yeah, I probably will. It's about as much fun as Sunfock and Grievous is, especially Grievous. I love flying Grievous, but I'll probably just pick something that's just like safer matchup wise. And yeah, just less less stressful worrying about the matchup for the whole week. Yeah, that which makes will, sense. Which will probably be droids, to be completely honest. <laughs> but you're the ace player. How are you going to go to droids like that? I don't even think droids are fun. Like this is traitor. A, I mean, aces are still good, but it's not like me, Cody, you and I were talking. I think this is the least ace friendly meta we've had in a very long time. So, no, I strongly agree. That's not necessarily a Most bad aces thing. Like Han. No, not at all. But yeah, as a as a primarily ace player, I think it's just time to you know see where the see where the ship's going. So, I like flying droids. Droids are fun. Flying a Tri-Fighter is almost like flying an Ace. Well, let's uh, get on to our main topic today, the anatomy of engagement. The first thing we would like to talk about is how to analyze your opponent's lists, which things are the biggest threats. And I kind of arrange these in some sort of order. Um, you know, obviously it kind of depends on what you're bringing. But the first one I think we all agree on is... Uh, looking for endgame ships. You know, Cody, you play a lot of endgame ships. You want to talk about that? So when you're looking at endgame ships, you're looking at ships that your opponent's going to want around in the endgame because they can 1v1, 1v2, maybe even 1v3, depending on your list. Uh, or they want this ship to be the last ship against one, two, or three of your ships because they can win that. Uh, generally, ships like this are going to be high PS, uh, either double repositions so they can avoid a lot of shots, uh, really good defensive mods such as like Han Solo, uh, Boba Fett. Um, 
And you can't, generally you can't let that happen unless that ship's already hurt. So when I was playing my triple silencers, I generally ran it without a bid. I had Kylo Blackout and the Sino Jameis. So I had some high PS there, but any other Kylo was outbidding me. Soon Tier was always a threat. Uh, Han was always there. So I had to have a game plan for how I was going to deal when I came up against these ships. Generally, when I'm playing aces, I try to flank a lot, which means I'm not going to try to force to kill an in-game ship. I'm going to be as... Uh, I'm playing KG. I'm being opportunistic with my shots. I'd rather you not have a good shot at me if that means I don't have a good shot at you. Or even if that means I don't have a good shot at you. And I try to have you go after one ship and my other ships will do the work. So when you look at <clears throat> your opponent's in-game ships, you also have to look at your in-game ships because they're probably going to go through the same processes that you are. They're going to look at your Kylo and be like, I have to kill Kylo first. But yeah, that's just what I look at with the in-game ships. Just things that will give you trouble if they're by itself versus one or two of your ships. And that could be, you know, anything. It could not be an ace, depending on what you're kind of going for. Like Grievous is just a pain in the ass to try to kill. If he's like the last ship alive and you only got one or two, because he's outputting a lot of damage. And with Impervium and also the title, he can get a reroll if he's not actively you're not in his arc. Or he could just ignore a crit, and that's basically free damage that's gone. Yeah, and if, especially if it's like, if you have a bit on other I-4s or anything lower than that. Like, being able to focus and focus, I'm sorry, being able to barrel roll or boost and then focus with his ability is pretty clutch. I do want to okay. throw Kid Boba in there as well, because having uh, blank to eyeballs when you have a focus is basically just, it's like auto thrusters. Yeah, and you get stronger the less pieces are on the board. Would you consider someone like Redline a good end game ship, Cody? I would not, because he's going to be a munitions carrier. If he's the last ship, he's still a threat. However, you can do damage to him. Um, if you have two ships, Redline generally should not win the engagement unless your two ships are heavily damaged. Because you can and will do damage to them. Also, if Redline's your opponent's last ship, then something went really wrong or really right. <laughs> Meaning that either his ace just melted, he put him in a bad, or his in-game piece uh, melted and was put in a bad position, or Redline has shot like six Protorps <laughs> and you're in pain. What do you guys think the worst end game ship would be? I mean, I know it kind of depends a lot on what you're bringing, but in general, the Nash I kind of think that <laughs> a Tie Fighter, <laughs> yeah, my droid. Yeah, just I don't a, know. I, essentially any generic who's going to be like anyone can shoot before and arc dodge is just generally not going to be a good end game piece for you. 
especially if he's the only one. And especially if you have low health, low agility. A lambda shuttle. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, anything with like a restricted kind of movement or dial. Matt, haven't you won uh, games because of a lambda shuttle in the last turn? I, I, I did, but the lambda shuttle wasn't the only ship left. Oh. The Lambda has won me games, but it's not because it's the only ship left. I mean, Josh last week said he did win against Kylo with just the Lat. And the Lat's ridiculously bad endgame ship. Miracles happen. <laughs> they got basically nothing. Especially if your opponent decides to joust with our ace. <laughs> <laughs> and not get out of the way. Like what? Like what kind of like... AC endgame ships are like not good. Like if we're if we're if we're gonna think about like named pilots, what kind of named pilots would we say are not good endgame pieces? Anyone that like has a support role, right? So like Garvin or Dutch. Finn Rao and the Sheathapede. Yeah, again, anything that like lacks the ability to uh maneuver well or is a lower pilot skill if they're like a four or a three. On that note, I don't think Vader is an in-game piece. Yeah, he's more of the hammer. Yeah, he's not a top-tier end-game piece by any means. He definitely, especially he's got if his afterburners are gone, he's yeah. Vader wants to just deal out more damage than he's going to take. That's what he does. It was an underrated end-game piece though. Was Ahsoka? She could do a lot of work. I mean. Just, K turn behind you and still get actions. Mm-hmm. Get two actions every turn, always target locked focused. She's, that dial on the um, 7B means you can keep your distance, keep a wide arc relatively well. I mean, like a CLT, Ahsoka, probably not as much, but that 7B is really strong on her. Mm-hmm. So after you, I'm ident- oh, sorry. 7B Ahsoka is all of 55 points right now, too. Which, so happy 7B went down for PS3s. Just what they needed. <laughs> so after you identify the endgame ship, obviously you probably want to go for that. At least by mid-game, try to do something so it doesn't just solo your whole list. Which can happen. Sometimes you want to do something about it. It also depends on the rest of the list, which is what list building is all about, right? Taking pressure off your in-game piece to get it there. It's true. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that I think we agreed on is after you look for the end-game pieces, you look for just ships that are going to do a lot of damage really quick. So I kind of split them up into like modded red attack dice and then like munition carriers because i think munitions are very strong you know spike damage is very good anyone with proton torpedoes is going to be a threat you want to look out for that and most munitions have gone down in points this last update too yeah it doesn't even have to be like spike damage i think that discord missiles are very good and need something you have to watch out for Mm mm-hmm Thread tracers. If you're if if a lower initiative ship is shooting thread tracers, if you could if you can kill the thread tracer ship first, that's really going to inhibit what the rest of the list can do. Yeah, I know Cody talked about a little bit talked about this a little bit beforehand, but the diamond boron missiles. Mm-hmm. They, if you have a lot of ships clustered together, they can do a lot of damage. 
we saw in that um, the Hacksiled game where that one diamond boron, one diamond boron missile just did six damage, just the the whole sea swarm. It was beautiful. And those diamond borons have one of the they could do the most damage of any uh, missile in the game. Technically, I believe the max it can do is eleven without any crits. Just crazy. I would try to identify something like docked with proton torpedoes. You kind of want to prioritize his move, you know, him dying first over like a generic X-wing or like a B-wing or something. Maybe even Braylon. That's also really true with somebody like Redline, who gets double mods on all of his protorps if he moves before you. And while you want to always try to get rid of people's in-game ships, sometimes the high damage threats are such a threat that you have to focus them first such as redline because you don't want somebody throwing six proton torpedoes at you like we said darth vader he's he's a high damage he could do a lot of, he has generally has double modded shots like we said darth vader's not the end game piece so if you have if Sunter's there with darth vader you're probably going to ignore Sunter to try to kill darth vader and generally darth vader wants to trade above his point threshold in order to make things easier for soon tier before he goes out. Yeah, I, mean, I think anyone with a heavily modded red dice, like the, any force user like Vader or Anakin, Obi-Wan or Anakin, yeah, or even Luke, if he has proton torpedoes or something, that's just a lot of damage and it's all right off rip. You know, it's not, <laughs> it didn't take time to set up. Yep, Kid Anakin's really good with passive sensors and some proton torpedoes. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely not, I, I never want to see that. As much you know, as Cody flew him for a while, I just, it's a pain. Yeah, what if you had I mean, I, yeah. Kid Anakin with passive sensors, Protorps, Intimidation, Ahsoka and 7B and Sense, and Obi-Wan with 7B and Sense? That doesn't seem like a bad list, right? You could get spi- spicy and do the ETA OB, so when Kid Anakin rolls up there, you could just use his ability and get a focus, which is also dirty. Yep. <laughs> but also, uh, you know, particular upgrades will bring things that are a threat, like, you know, uh, advanced optics on the A wings, right? Just consistent dice. A lot of those RZ2s are fives. So they can actually take out your lesser health ships really quick and they don't have no option. And then the second engagement's great for them because they just fly past you and turn around your guns. Yep, Juke. Juke's a really good upgrade, too. So, I mean, we see it a lot on ETA-2s now. Whisper occasionally sees play with Juke, but... Defenders have Juke a lot, too. Defend- Defenders, yeah, Juke is a really good upgrade, especially if something is shooting before the Juke carrier. So you don't have any mods and, like, oh, change one of those evades to a focus. It's Yeah. That's interesting, because the only Defenders I know about don't actually have an, a talent slot. People play Rexler too. <laughs> I've seen people play Riot. Did you did you tell them they're wrong? I just, I don't know. I yeah. <laughs> it's a huge I, point sink. I know, like Rexler is so much cheaper than Riot, and you you get I five and a pretty dope ability, but I, I'm not here to tell people what to do. I want my five Ks, but I want them white. What Defenders be considered an in-game piece because they are so hard to kill, even if they aren't doing damage. It's just a they're a massive like oh it's really good at conserving points. Yeah, they they're kind of a point fortress. 
Mm-hmm. But even like the the ones are, you know, they could live. Doesn't matter if they're doing a lot of damage, they're going to get behind you at some point in the game. It's kind of a pain. But I also want to talk about looking for things that will do extra damage outside, like attacking. Like you kind of have to worry about that, like snapshot Tarani, which I fly all the time. Like you have to kill Tarani first because she just dumps a lot of so much damage. Too. Yep. And if and if snapshot Tarani has her best friend Justero with her, <laughs> he's going to also be there to do some more damage as well. Yeah, I mean, especially because Tarani can hit multiple ships at once. Mm-hmm. Like, I've snapshot at three ships and then moved, did a barrel roll, and then shot three ships again. <laughs> Doesn't matter if none of my shots hit. That's three damage twice. It's wholesome. But also, uh, things that will cancel your evades, like Captain Seer comes to mind. I mean, besides the fact that you want to kill force multipliers and swarms. Just him crack-shotting, essentially, your ships to death is, is a high priority. Mm-hmm. And when you have that many ships, it's really hard to actually stay out of bullseye, so they will get some crack shots off. Yeah. I mean, both... And, the, like, the ships that... Uh, well, like, Dangar Gunner, he can retaliate if you shot him in arc, and that's a pain, especially if you don't want to sh- spend your green token... So anything that does like extra damage outside, I think you should prioritize as well. And then just eventually ships that are just really good that you want to take off the board. Like, I guess that comes from experience, but wedge, you know, was such a pain to deal with. You do have to be careful with that because some ships from you learn from experience that are just pains, but the math doesn't actually back it up. So you don't, really want to go by instinct on that wedge is a great example of that because the numbers say he's not that much better than a generic x-wing at doing damage but whenever you play wedge for some reason he just always does all the damage yeah or like a a quad jumper you know it's not a very expensive ship but you gotta you gotta kill that thing yep i would cause havoc any any tie phantom pilot like tie phantoms can just you leave a TIE Phantom alone, it pretty much whisper, echo, even a Sigma, you, you ignore it. It can pretty much just decloak, do whatever it wants for the whole game. I'd put Fifth Brother in that category, too. Yeah, Fifth, fifth Brother in the TIE Advanced, the tap. Yeah, he's, he's gross. For me, personally, it's Finn. Like, I have, like, an irrational, like, disdain for Finn Pilot. To where it's like it's like a blinding rage whenever I play against him. So that's that's one specifically for me. I think what it boils down to is anything that punches significantly above its own weight. Yeah, which you know, Finn, Finn Pilot does that. A quad jumper will just cause so much chaos that you have to get it off the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't shoot me if you're on a rock. I don't care if you rotated. Four Lom's another good one. It's very true. He passes off that stress. Passes off that stress. Like, be a shame if you had two stress tokens. I also like a, like, share tech or something with ensnare. I mean, that's just not something you need. No nope. Tractor tokens. Are... Nope. Ensnare and Nantex are also, yeah. 
And one of the other things you want to look at when looking at your opponent's list is how you're going to fly against it, though. Because instead of short tech, you sort of counter that by trying to stay away from the rocks as well. You don't have to necessarily kill a short tech for us. You just avoid his uh, danger zones. Oh, maybe we can get it on a little bit later in the podcast about how you fly your ships against the others. Yeah. But, um, sorry. I ensnared a Fenral once with Chertek. <laughs> I've ensnared Pose with, with Chertek. I put two resistance ships on the same rock and told him he was the CIS now. <laughs> that's, that's funny. It's awful. Uh, but after you're looking for the endgame ships and eat high damage targets, priority targets, I would look for control pieces because I think those are very strong right now, especially in this meta. You know, anything that affects your movement, again, like tractors putting you on rocks or you know, ion cannons, ion bombs, ion torpedoes, all that, that affects what you're going to be doing next turn is very important to take a look at. Which, you know, gets, it kind of gets back to the point we talked about in the first episode about how swarms are so good because Seek swarms are able to load themselves up with ion cannons, tractor beams. Generally, they're going to mix them up, so there's probably going to be at least two tractor beams in a list, which the odds of you killing both tractor beams before they shoot is slim. So yeah, there's just yeah, there's a lot of good control pieces currently in the meta. I mean, that's not even to mention like some pieces will just control stress, like Captain Phasma. Mm-hmm. You can't get close to someone with Captain Phasma and expect to K turn around them. Death Troopers. defender, I guess, but Sloan. Yeah, Forlom again passing off the stress. Thermal detonators will give you stress. No, they give you strain, strain. now, right? Yeah, they give you, they give strain. you strain now. But, you know, you don't want to be strained. No. Anything that affects your ship like that, like jammed, like people keep passing out jams. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much anything that's going to, like, when when you let your opponent make your decisions for you, is that's the stuff you generally don't want on the table. Because, sure, you can do a K-turn with a strain, but if somebody has a good shot on your two-agility ship, your two-agility ship's going to become a one-agility ship. So anything that like limits what you can do on your dial, like I really want a K turn and get a shot this turn, but I also don't want to be strained, so I'm going to do this two straight instead. Like st- when when your opponent is able to make the decisions for you, that's that's the kind of stuff you need to look out for. And those are the feel bad moments too. Yeah, Major Von Rigg says he's he's got the system phase barrel roll. People forget about his ability, but he can barrel roll. Here's a strain token. Oh damn, I forgot about that. And I did a white maneuver. Well, it's not a barrel roll. It's just a system phase bullseye, you mean? Yeah, yeah that's what I said. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anything that, that hands out strain or depletes, especially if it's the activation. I mean, I, anything with bombs is a control piece, too. Mm-hmm. Like Cody, when you mentioned seismics, you can't go near, you know, a quarter of the board because there's a seismic thing in there. It's going to wipe out, and you know, wipe out an asteroid and deal one damage to your ship. There's a lot of, uh, like, Boba Fett. I did a lot of bombs with Boba Fett because if you tried to approach Boba Fett from behind, or if I had, like, proxies and you had Slave 1, I could choose the direction to better just bomb you next turn. 
I mean, not really a control piece, but there's control elements in there. Mm-hmm. People kind of just forget sometimes that you just have bombs on there. It's like system phase. Here's a bomb. It's like, oh crap. I forgot that you had that. And sometimes I think people forget about that way too much all yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and anything that does guarantee damage is going to have control elements because now you're sort of forcing your opponent, even if you don't drop it to take it into account and make a bad play sometimes, unless they forget about it and, which case, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially ion bombs. I don't know why they're not played more, but yeah. the ability to control one or multiple of your opponent's ships is so critical for a turn like that. Yeah, especially if they don't have the focus action. That's even better. Darth Vader crew, he's potential auto damage, and he's generally going to be on something that's going to take more than one round to kill. Like a land yeah, like a rack or something. Rack or something, yeah. They go get rid of that token or take a damage, which is, you know, Darth Vader is a very feels bad moment in the game, no matter what happens. I mean, Matt, you've had experience with Seven Sister as a control piece, too. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> yes. At, um, oh my gosh, at a hyperspace trial last year, um, I flew Rack Vader because, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to fly. And I saw Rack Vader did well two weeks before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like both those ships. So, I flew Rack with, um, gosh, yeah, Rack had Seventh Sister and Fifth Brother on there. And what did I do? He, um, attractor, I, I seven, I Seventh Sister someone twice. I dropped, and the second time I dropped a bomb, and he's like, oh, I'm going to focus link my action into a barrel. barrel. <laughs> yep. And he gets the stress, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's, that's great, but I'm going to, like, actually change that stress into a tractor beam, and you're going to be come, come right back into this bomb. I think she's an underrated piece. I, I like Seven Sister a lot, even if it's just really cheap force. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. Just, and then that's another thing. If if your opponent forgets what she can do, like, oh, here's a tractor, here's a tractor beam token. She can also jam too. Yeah, yeah, gives out jams. Those are also nice. Yeah, I mean, the entire resistance faction gets a lot of stress in general, and mm-hmm. they don't like seeing Seven Sister like that. That one she's now on a rock. Yeah, she's only nine points too. Yeah, she used to be like what fourteen when the game first launched. I don't think she was that high, but yeah, she was, she was much higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, what is Seven Sisters' range? Is it zero to two or zero to one? Zero to, zero to one. one. Okay, that ain't too bad. I was gonna say Poe could probably not like that at all. I mean, just an A wing who focus rotated or something. Can either get tractored, and that's not what they want to see with now two agility and four health. Yeah, or, or get jammed so you don't have optics. Yeah, or if you have, you know, if, if she's on rack and you're going against a I six who wants to get in close for a range one shot, and they they link that into a stress token, and oh, you forgot that I had seven sister, but here's a here's a tractor or a jam. I've done that way too many times. Yeah, and if it's like I said, if it's rack, like rack's probably going to already have a shot on them. And, you know, if you can tractor someone, that's going to make Rack really happy. <laughs> I think the last thing you should focus when looking at your opponent's list would be uh, support pieces. I mean, I know they're they're strong, but, I mean, control pieces to me are, are going to be stronger, unless it's maybe something like Malaris or, or Hal Runner or something that's, or Sarasu. 
is important, but I mean, a lat is not like your highest priority target. <laughs> Although sometimes it should be depending on list. Cause it, we talked about this with Josh last week and he was saying like he had the worst times when the lat was the first ship destroyed. Well, yeah, but, but all, like in that scenario, you don't really have like a high damage threat or an end game piece or control piece, right? So the next one you have to go to is a support and then the other seven Bs. Yeah. I think Jan's a good support piece that should be focused on when she's in the list. That's that's true. Possibly. I mean, she can't work on herself. So if she's the last ship alive, then it's just dead weight. I mean, she still has an 180 degree arc if you have the title, which you probably do. And she's a five with boost. If she goes first, then like that, that list we were talking about last week, well, I, I had audio issues, so I wasn't on that ep- episode, but the list that was discussed last week, the one that won Polish nationals with the Wolfaro and stuff. Like if you can eliminate Jan, that really, I mean, Wolfaro is still going to be nasty, but you're really going to neuter his potential damage output or Dutch's or whatever list Jan's in. She could, you know, I've, I've, I've flown Braylon with Jan and that range one five dice with two rerolls, like feels good for me. It feels bad for you. Would you say that list is like the closest thing in 2.0's head to 100 point Miranda? So here's something weird. Actually, I think our entire discussion of the Polish nationals list was cut out last week. Because it was just mostly Matt. <laughs> F. So we should probably remind people what it was. Yeah, it was Wolfaro, Naked, Jan, Naked Jan, Wolfaro. Jan with Moldy Crow, Thermals, Dutch with R3. And, and Dorsal and, uh, and Dorsal. Concussion Bombs. Concussion Bombs to really get the trick going with Wolfaro and then Jake. So the trick is Wolfaro gets concussion bombed first turn turns on his ability dutch reload so he doesn't have to keep dropping the concussion bomb wolfaro rolls in with his ability already triggered which is if you have a damage card you roll one extra die so he's going to be pumping out four dice range two five dice range one and then jan is just like what if i turn five dice into six dice range one and he's probably going you can roll <laughs> yeah and he's probably going to have a target lock from dutch and a focus and yeah it's it's nasty so it's a very it synergistic piece that just hits incredibly hard. Yep. So I don't even know the, who I would try to go after in that list to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that's that yeah, that's and like lists like lists like that where it's like I don't know what I want to kill first are gen- they're they're good lists because there's there is a right answer, but and then there's wrong answers. Like that's my target priority is yeah, huge in the when list you building. Mess with, when you mess with people's target priorities, it's really you, you you generally have a decent list because well I want to kill want to kill Jan to turn this off but I don't know if enough of my ships can live long enough to kill Jan after Wolfaro and Dutch have done had their way with them. I think I would have to try to go after Wolfaro just because he's outputting so much damage, but I don't feel confident in that. It depends on the list you're running though because aces can be opportunistic. They just sort of skirt around, take pot shots, and then once something's weak, you know who you want to actually target first. Whereas, like a droid swarm, you aren't going to be able to 
be as opportunistic. So you probably would want to go after Wolf Warrior, especially if you have Discords on there, because a Droid Swarm can conceivably take out Wolf Warrior in one round. Well, what if he reinforces, though? That's the problem, yeah. too. Yeah, if he reinforces. A and lot of damage not going on. And Jake's been his good buddy and gave him a focus. Like, that's just, that sounds degenerate. It's rough. Definitely if he reinforces, but because the droids are doing, what, one damage uh, shot at most. However, those he's spinning all of the tricks to have one five-die attack against a three-health ship when you have eight of those ships. So you and then the discords, if you land one discord on Wolf Earl, you strip his shields. He's already down one hole and he's getting another crit ran into him next round. And then your droids come in and block his entire list and happy days. Well, that's a fine segue into our next topic, Cody. Good job. <laughs> our next topic is when to joust a list. <laughs> So I guess the first question we have to ask, Matt, is uh, why joust? You know, that's a great question because, I mean, we've all heard the adage, when two lists are jousting, one is jousting wrong. One is wrong when they're jousting. So generally when you you want to joust when you have a better chance of your ships surviving an initial engagement over your opponent's list. So. Like droid swarms are generally one of the best jousting lists in the game, but there are a couple lists that out joust them. Spam text was one of them when that when that was a thing. But I think five X generally will out joust droids because when, when droids fly you generally want to lose a ship and a half in the first engagement, and five X generally has a good chance of wiping out two ships before it can even fire back without having the firepower to fire back and kill an X-Wing or two before the first engagement. So that's one of those hedge cases for droids, particularly that they don't want to straight up joust 5X, but it's just kind of like a game-by-game -game basis. Like 5X is a good jousting list. Droids are good jousting list. Seeks, like if you can generally do more damage to your opponent than your opponent can do to, do to you when you run in at each other, that's when you want to joust. Yeah, I mean, I think jousting is just the most effective way at removing ships off the board. And the less ships there are on the board, the you know, less you're going to get shot at and you're just going to win the game. So I think it's very important that people realize when to joust and when not to joust. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's always... I, I, I love it. it, it it's funny watching some games when they don't... Like people generally think when when you joust, we're gonna set up we're gonna set up on the board edge away from each other. And we're just gonna like force raid at each other. But it's always hilarious to watch games where everybody sets up on opposite sides of the board. They like they they get into the middle and then they both turn in on each other, and you're essentially doing the same thing you would have done if you had just set up right across from each other. You're just doing it in the middle of the board now, as opposed to on the edge. That that <laughs> always that always cracks me up. For sure. So I, uh, unless you're also jousting another swarm, I think you should pretty much always joust with a swarm. I think that's pretty straightforward, especially the reasons you just gave Cody where, you know, like a droid swarm, they have 
modded offense. They pretty good modded defense too if they share their calculates. Yeah, if it's a if it's a droid swarm, they should have they should have probe droids on there somewhere. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. With either a with either a hyena bomber or a bactoid for you know dropping the probe droids, and then they you stall that one turn after the probe, probe droids are launched, and then you have a focused target lock on everybody. Well, calculates. We got multiple calculates yeah, right. and functions yeah, as yeah, a focus. Yeah. Words are <laughs> words are hard, so yeah. So yeah, I think like droid swarms, you could pretty much joust anything you want. I would say like Malorous swarms, I think are, are very good at. They might lose a ship or so, depending on how the dice go, but they should be able to take off something on the board just in the first round or so. Well, that's the secret with most swarms. Like the first round of combat, you're going to lose a ship, but you're going to be taking doing more damage, getting your points worth than you lose, generally speaking. Yeah. Generally, droids don't want to lose more than like a ship and a half in the first engagement. Which, you know, could just be super variants, right? Yeah. I, do. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've had droids live way too long and I've had droids pop in one shot. Yeah, it's just, it's just you know, it's, it's a dice game at the end of the day. Sometimes you can make all the best decisions and the dice will just be like, it's all fire. And sometimes it's like, nah, man, I'm done. So it's just, you still have to try to make the best decision possible for any given situation. But yeah, droid swarms are, yeah, they're, they tend to be more defensive, like you said. And then TIE swarms, either Imperial or Xi shuttle Malarus swarms tend to just be like, we want to kill everything that we can as soon as we can. Yeah, and the six swarms, they're a little bit different because they have these control elements I mean, they do joust, but their strength, I think, comes more from their second engagement when you're either tractored onto a rock or something and you have to adjust that way or you're ioned and they know where you're going to be, which is a pain, especially if one of them brings like thread tracers or something. It really sets up the second engagement. Gosh. I mean, we've talked about, but man, I still, every time we talk about Seeks, I'm just like, they're so, I think, I still think they're too cheap. I think Saros is too cheap. Yeah. I love Sunny ship- Bounder, so. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Sunny. Getting those, what, I think you can get six crits <laughs> with the Auto Blaster. Well, four crits, add a fifth, reroll one of the crits into a crit, you can get six because you can use Sunny Bounder's ability multiple times. The dream is real. I have taken out a uh, silencer because I did three crits just with an auto blaster and added a fourth one. Poor Mitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Don't apologize to Mitch. That's fair. <laughs> but um, out of like maybe droid swarms and the tie swarms and like the six swarms, which one do you think you'd prefer? Which one do you think out joust the other one? I know it's a little bit of dice variance, but I think in general, if you can make say, that distinction. I would say properly built droid swarm should out joust all the rest of them. Uh, then the seek swarms and then the Malawa swarm. When I say well-constructed droid swarm, I mean, you're going to have some tie bombers in there with ordnance, plasmas, maybe a protorp. 
Um, and then the droids, you're going to have you're gonna have a dog probe, you're gonna have discords, you have a nice toolkit, the plasmas with strip shields, the discord's gonna get crits underneath. A droid swarm, if they don't lose two ships in the opening engagement, can take out two ships themselves. And whatever ships they're shooting at will also have a shot because it's only PS1. But they're going to be uh, above their weight class sort of thing. Whatever they kill is going to be worth more points than a droid. Matt, do you have any dissenting opinions? No, I usually have Ryan build my droid swarms for me. So whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever he gives me, I'm just like, yep, that's the right one. <laughs> I also think droid swarms are the best swarm to joust with. And yeah, probably the best swarm in general, as long as you do it right. Considering I'm going to be probably flying droid swarms going forward, the the only like one of the swarms I would be worried about is five X, just because of the um, offensive capability of 5X to potentially wipe out two droids before you engage, but no one's running 5X, really, even though it's still a really good list, and it got cheaper. Yep. And extended, one of them could be bigs. Yeah, one one of those could be bigs, yes. So I think as far as, like, other swarms, in quotation marks, go, like, that's what I would worry about the most going against with droid swarms, because... I said they could potentially kill two ships before you engage and that's like that's going to be like a really tough fight and you might not even kill one before it fires depending on how dice go but yeah I would agree I'd say I'd probably go in that order like droid seek the rest tie swarms (laughs) yeah which I mean I'm an imperial player at heart and I love flying the tie swarm but it's just you know it's tough these days flying that that stuff I do have to make a note that this is only in the joust because as an ace player, I'd rather go against a droid swarm than the seek swarm or the tie swarm just because you can maneuver, you can poke damage into a droid swarm more effectively than you can because they only have the two agility. Yep. What's your opinion on the Focho or so over like the Inferno Squadron kind of swarm? I've never flown Focho. I mean, I have, I own enough ships to physically fly it, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's fun. It seems like a good time, and it seems a bit degenerate. Would you take it over Inferno? I mean, you know, I like everybody likes their name pilots, so I probably wouldn't personally because I like I like Howl Runner, I like Iden, I like Gideon, Wampa. Wampa is my boy. I love Wampa. So, I mean, I. I would like to try out Focho at some point in my life, but, you know, when I was flying Inferno Squadron for a hot second there, uh, like two, a year and a half ago, I had a good time. It was fun. I think Focho's greatest uh, advantage over the Howl Swarm is the fact that it can be spread out. There's no reason to keep your ships in, like, large blocks. So you can have two, uh, four groups of two, you can have each one in their own little spot, and that way you're guaranteed shots on things. I also like that they have the shield, because I'm paranoid and I'm always taking those crits. At least I can mitigate something. Puff in, Ralph. Hey, the quad jumpers, man. Every crit, the first crit on there is the one that ionizes them. Every single time. 
right when I set up for a tractor. Uh, yeah, well, that's rough on them, especially because, you know, now with the rules change that's been in effect, like after you ion, you can't do any of your fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. Should have believed harder. It's almost like you'd rather have a panic pilot because then it's like you don't, the decision's taken away from you, but now you only have one decision to make. It happened in three straight games. The first crit I took <laughs> off a of quad jumper was disabled power regulator. <laughs> I'm cursed with that. Made me stop doing quad jumpers for a bit. I don't, so I don't understand with me, with me and my mental set. I, I think Nantex are okay, but I, I passionately hate quad jumpers. Maybe it's because there's no I-6 quad jumper. It's because Nantex are legitimately fun to fly, and quad jumpers are kind of a chore. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, Nantex are fun. I love Yeah, They're just, like, so much fun. Also, an I-6 quad jumper would probably not be that good. Yeah, it might be fun. So I think probably the second best way to joust someone or decide if you should joust someone if if you have a lot of uh, just red dice and that they're pretty modded. doesn't have to be like a six, six, six ship swarm or something. But if you have like four dice or, or four ships with three dice or four dice, I guess, in that in that case, pretty strong as long as they're like well modded. Yeah, I think in, in your notes here, I think like, five ship resistance is like a pretty decent like it's it's a a decent swarm like three blue squadrons with rose and insert another ship like that's a good ship like bastion Mimi. those those are it's resistance has a lot of quality swarm pieces that really make it a better jousting faction than the rebels you can get three named x-wings and two tie pods can you not I mean, one of my lists is Bastion, Jess, Nimi, Rose, and a Fireball. That all fits. And that's a lot of offensive mod, a lot of spike damage. Well, relatively spike damage with the three modded shots. And I'll joust a lot of things with that. T-70s take a while to die, too, even, even without Heroic. They can. You know, like we said, it's a variance game. But, yeah, like... Rolling average with T-70s is going to take a while for them to dive. Also, Heroic is better on T-70s than they ever were on A-Wings. True. Yeah, it's... You're more likely to uh, roll two blanks on two greens than three blanks on three greens. Yeah, I think... Was it offensively better for the A-Wings, though? Because you still have the same two red dice. Uh, Because of the math, like, it works out so... There's more blanks on green dice than there are blanks on red dice. So you, it's just going to be better skewed for the green dice uh, needing heroic than the uh, red dice. But no, anything with, with... They're not necessarily passive mods, but bashing gets a free target lock. You know, just once per turn or more with the droid. You can re-roll dice depending on how many she's around there. Rose does it for just people in her arc. It's just, it, they're a pain, and they're good jousters, and I would joust a lot of lists with that list. Would you joust the uh, Tie Swarm with that list, or the Seek Swarm? That's a tough call. Um, maybe the Seek Swarm, just because I might do enough damage to get one of them before they start wreaking havoc on my list. 
Uh, one of the great things about your list, though, is it's generally more maneuverable. The X-Wing is going to be more maneuverable than an entire Seek block. Also, in this case, I don't think either any of them really care. They just do a one straight focus. They're doing that anyways. But yeah, that that's kind of a tough call. I don't know. You don't get Nimi's ability against most swarms. I guess that comes into a later segment of how do you play when with a jousting list if you don't have a good enough jousting list. But also, uh, kind of along the lines of swarms, not necessarily like resistance, but there's other swarm pieces that you can put in that do force multipliers, like Drea. You're not really going to get like a huge swarm with Drea. She's really expensive now, but she still does a lot of offensive mods. Uh, Lightandry, the the uh, tie heavy, and the side arcs. I mean, Sinker, kind of the same thing. You know, Saw Guerrera. They're all force multipliers that enable higher ship counts, but they're not necessarily like a you know a swarm. I wouldn't joust with Saw Guerrera. So if if you have some of those pieces, you know it's you're going to be a much better jouster than just any normal run of the mill kind of game. Also, I think uh, token passers they help a lot. Like Dutch sets up target locks, so that's going to help with your. Uh, with your jousting efficiency, Agent Terex passing the calculate tokens, Jake giving a focus, or Kyle giving a focus. Uh, even Plo Koon helps a lot, passing the focus, or even removing the weapons token. That's useful for a lot of lists that I've flown it with. Sometimes, like, defenders are really good at a joust because they're really defensive, so they can stay alive. They can survive the initial joust. Yeah, or... Uh, Token strippers are really good, too. Like, Tarok will just kind of ruin some ship's life. Mm -hmm. That poor, poor Whisper. <laughs> but yeah, any ship that stacks tokens or can pass tokens and stay out of the engagement, I think are very good. So I would put spike damage or, like, alphaing something off the board also very high for jousting things. I'm not sure if I would put it a bunch uh, over uh, like a bunch of modded red dice and definitely not over a swarm, but like an alpha strike list or just high spike damage list. I think it's very good at jousting. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when I saw a red line joust an entire spam text list on stream. How'd that go for him? Uh, well, the red line... I don't think those tie punishers have hyperdrive, so I think he just died. <laughs> I'm sure someone in the comments will be like, "Oh, well, actually, the tie punisher." Yeah, no, Redline just died. Anyways, yeah, spike damage is very, um, very strong for taking individual ships. Like a proton torpedo shot could decently wipe out a droid. I mean, you get all four hits or something, and they only get one paint. That'll do it. Yeah, they're toast. But generally, the thing that keeps the spike damage from being higher up on the list is that you can't fit more than four protorps on the list, and three of them being probably the max for being a solid list. Yeah, but uh, that, that's why I kind of rank them lower than swarms and stuff. You don't have as many ships, but you could 
like uh you know ed would do the thane luke wedge all the pro torps and just generally wipe something off the board real quick yeah i mean next round do it again wedge wedge with proton torpedoes could he's going he will probably kill a vulture droid that vulture droid only going to roll one die you get all four hits it doesn't matter what you roll it could die in a you know wedge with a proton torp could also just nuke a hyena bomber as well even like a tie fighter or something yeah like he's it's very strong also um modded four die attacks or uh even five die attacks like if you're ray ray can easily alpha ship off the board things gonna mm-hmm. die that thing hits hard just roll up with a target lock on your turn and see what happens it's gonna be five hits ray should be five hits uh generally if you have spike damage your ships that are bringing the spike damage are also maneuverable so there's less of a need to joust if you can get a flank and shoot a protorp, you're a lot more safe and you're less likely to die. You're going to more than likely shoot two or more protorps with that ship. Or they tend to be really high health and they're not going to get alpha themselves. It's generally one of the two. Like Deng- Dengar with Han Gunner and Proton Torps. He's, he has almost zero problem just rolling up there. Be like, here, I'm going to fire a Proton Torp. I dare you to shoot me. Yeah, especially if you don't spend the lock. Don't yeah. shoot you right in your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which if that proton torpedo doesn't kill someone, you know, what we, what we saw over the summer, like Han Dengar with, not Han Dengar, I'm sorry, Boba Dengar. Dengar had Han Solo, Auto Blaster, proton torpedoes. Like, it was a scary Dengar. It's like, you fire the proton torpedo, you kill someone, cool. Now I have an auto blaster shot range one on somebody else if you shoot me. Mm-hmm. I mean, a special mention, I think, also goes to, like, Katsu. She's an incredibly strong jousting piece as well, especially with yep. the title. And she has, like, Fearless and Maul, which is generally how you see her. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's Katsu probably going to do four hits into you. And yeah, you're maybe. already reduced to agility. Or if you're a medium-based ship, you're getting another tractor, so now you're moved somewhere else. Or if you yeah. bumped me, I'm going to tractor you off of me and then throw four dice into you. I don't see a lot of Ketsu anymore these days. Well, she doesn't really have two other ships that can fly with her too well. But No, not in this meta, at least. Unfortunately. Always Sunny Bounder. <laughs> yeah, I love Ketsu. Strong jousting piece. I mean, Ray. Very strong. Anything with Dutch, I think, is very strong jousting piece. Red Line's an amazing jousting piece. B-Wings. Yeah, for sure. Just that anything with spike damage, it doesn't matter how many agility they roll. You know, you're still putting things in there. That could be devastating for them. And green dice off fickle. Also, I think if you have multiple high-initiative ships... Uh, I think that's obviously much better for for jousting than a normal one. If you like swarm, like in a high swarm, although it's probably a bad example because it's a swarm, but swarm tactics itself, you know, raise the initiative value of you know most of your ships up to the same point. They can shoot much earlier. If you want to go the opposite way, you can fit four punishers with passive sensors. And Protorps in a list with four points left over. I can't believe that went down. <laughs> That's the last point update. 
but generally the uh, spike damage is better on high initiatives because they can get the target lock more easily. Cody, I know you've done this before, though, but also you could swarm tactic someone down to have them shoot first. <laughs> Works really well if you have like Seavor or something. There was that cloaking ray list that did well in a space jam as well. <laughs> they would have ray swarm tactics down to a PS one. Have Hodo, no, Hodo Hondo. Right, it was Hodo. No, it was, uh, it was Hodo Hondo. Wasn't out yet. Yep. Holdo would like give Ray a cloak token and then pass the cloak token off the next round after everybody shot so Ray could shoot at PS1. <laughs> Not quite an alpha strike, but it is pretty funny. It is good spike damage. Also, want to give a special shout out. Not necessarily spike damage, but again, Discord missiles, Diamond Boron missiles. They're doing extra damage. If you have like three Discord missiles and you're not in a swarm as well, you can do extra damage with that and you have a better jousting potential. So I would say Diamond Borons and Discords are the equivalent of like an extra two die attack. Discords maybe like an equivalent of a three die attack just because they're not quite guaranteed damage, but high chance of extra damage. Also, uh, anything that adds defensive buffs for you for jousting things, like Nora. Nora's a very good jouster. Sarasu. Yeah, I mean, Sarasu, with the re-rolling defense dice, can really help keep your small group of ships alive. Like, you've seen Sarasu with a couple of Fang Fighters before, and that's it's kind of dirty. Oh, I saw Sarasu with six other Seeks. <laughs> that was fun. Afterburners on Nora win. Oh, jeez. Weren't we talking about that earlier this week? Yeah, that was in the group chat. Yeah. <laughs> I also think ships with odd movement patterns generally tend to be good for um, jousting, like Star Vipers and their barrel roll or uh, Phantoms. I w and more so, it's a second engagement kind of thing. After they joust, they're much better at keeping things on target same with the a-wings i guess i mean yeah whisper whisper could probably like she could probably joust three ships like a, a stealth device whisper with two evade tokens and a force left over she can probably joust three ships by herself if the two die attacks yes if yeah. the three die attacks i would say no also generally speaking she's so good at everything else joustings if you're jousting with her you're playing her wrong yeah, but one, like, four phantoms was a thing. You can joust with those four phantoms, because your next engagement is going to be straight dirty. Well, four phantoms was also a thing when they had, uh, all of them had juke, juke, or most of them had juke, so you would do crack shotting every turn, so the damage potential was significantly higher. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a better jousting list. It's a little bit less good now, but still, a couple phantoms could probably joust three or four ships and still be fine. Agreed. And Star Vipers are their next round engagement. You just dial in a bank and then just be wherever you want. Super good. Any more uh, topics about uh, jousting, when to joust? Any more advice? If both of you are jousting, one of you is wrong. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've heard that before. Some people would say always joust. 
everything is a joust in a way. Maybe a special mention to somebody like Tarani, who doesn't need matter red dice, but just have ways of doing extra damage in a joust. I would not joust with Tarani ever. I flank with Tarani. If Tarani right. gets shot, she'd start. I mean, if, if there's more than like two ships, Tarani dies in like two turns. It's awful. I was going to say, why would your opponent let you flank with Tarani? They have some input on what's flanking and what's not. I mean, why do people Why do people let anything happen? Is What if I'm also flying Boba Fett and another ship with it? Are you going to let Boba Fett flank you? Generally, actually, yeah. I'd probably kill his support pieces so I have an easier time with just Boba Fett rather than chase an ultra-tanky ship and having your offensive pieces... Uh, take have the way with me well i think that's because you have more experience with Toronto than most yeah we've all learned our lesson <laughs> also a lot of experience going against boba fett and knowing how tanky he can be so if you can take off the ships and have it just be boba if you can just focus on boba and not worry about other ships boba by himself actually doesn't do that much damage to three agility ships you know, Boba is a pretty solid tank, or you know, uh, jousting piece as well. Doesn't really fit in the three categories, but I mean, he's got modded red dice. He's he's a solid jouster. Yeah, he's not nearly as nasty as he used to be with Maul, but he's still like Boba Fett's still a really solid piece in the scum faction. I will say anything that has defensive mods would generally be good at jousting and not jousting, just being tanky. Defenders again. Yeah. They're very good jousters. V1s and their second engagement's be. very strong. V1s can be really good jousters. The the best knife fighters in the game. Oh, second best. Yeah, back when uh, back when Jendon Inquisitors were a thing. Even uh like bombers with a bunch of barrage rockets and um what's his face whose name I'm blanking out on right now? Captain Jonas. Jonas. Yeah, Jonas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To re-roll those are a pain, especially if you engage in range three because you don't get the bonuses for defense. Bombs are really good uh, jousting pieces because you can generally get in, get range one to drop off your bombs. The uh, one list from Space Jam's Echo and Four Bombers was a very deadly jousting list. Because you have an in-game piece, you have bombers that don't like to die in one engagement, and then they're dropping proximity mines all around them uh, the next turn. Yeah, and they have the, the banked ones too. Yeah, the yeah the nimble bomber ship ability. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, pretty good. Well, the last topic will be um, probably not terribly long. Just knowing the roles of your ships. Like, if you're flying maybe a three or four ship list, generally one of the enemies is going to, like, turn on one ship. It's not really going to be, like, a one-on-one kind of scenario. So you have to try to maybe have concessions or try to do your best to have one ship kind of take the brunt of the damage or something. One ship kind of flank. One ship kind of run interference, I guess I would say. Just to take off some heat from either your flanking ship or your your jousting ship. I think those are all real important. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about that, I mean, personal example of mine, like the set bases I was flying. I, I want people to shoot at General Grievous. Like, I 
General Grievous is he's kind of the linchpin of the list, but he's also the bait. So I, I deliberately give them good shots at Grievous so you don't shoot at my Nantex who are who can die. And Grievous dies, obviously. But if I if I can get like a a range two focus soulless one reroll Grievous with impervium plating, like it's it's gonna take you a long time to shoot him. So he's he's generally like there's a few times in my last game where I like I barrel rolled into someone's arc to say, hey, shoot this guy and not Sunfock. And to go into that, like if it's Sunfock press one, you're probably gonna win that if it's a small base ship because Sunfox can do what he wants. He just does whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean if you have a small base ship, that's <laughs> probably the last ship you want to fly against. And like my triple silencers, I would every other game would change up who does what. I mean, I have three of the same ships, two PS5, one PS1. So they all have the same stats, but they each played significantly different. And I would actually try to bait with Kylo, my in-game piece. Which sounds counterintuitive in a way, because... What I do is I try to give up Kylo or make it look like I'm selling out Kylo. Have them chase Kylo now all over the place, and then my other ships do the damage. That was when I had my was doing my best, was when I could effectively pull off that strategy. Sometimes they would chase Blackout. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, Blackout is easier to kill because he doesn't have force. He only has, like, one focus token, or I can't double reposition and have the defensive mod. So I guess it makes sense. Um, honestly, the best call was always just try to kill the Sinar. Yeah, it also stops any kind of blocking shenanigans you can do with the double repositioning PS1. Also turns off advanced optics, so he's not just being a heavy bruiser. I fly a lot of arcs in my ships, so in my lists, I guess, not my ships. They generally, you, you joust with the arcs because they're the ones that are going to take the damage. I fly two arcs and a couple Jedi or two arcs like a lat and a Jedi or so. And for me, for those lists, it's much easier to see who takes point. It's just a two arcs. You let the Jedi flank. But in other lists, where if like you're trying to do... Uh, like old school, like Obi-Wan, Rick Ali, Plo Koon kind of thing. None of those ships are ships that you want the enemy to focus on. So it's pretty hard for decision point who's going to try to lead. Probably Plo Koon, because he's the most expendable, but Obi-Wan recharges his focuses. Rick gets a free evade and more dice. It's kind of hard. You de It depends on what your opponent chooses. After setup, you sort of decide who's going to be the one that takes the lead, takes the point on being the bait and whatnot. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, when you analyze your opponent's list, you kind of have to really try to figure out which person you're going to bait with or, or joust with. I think flanking is probably the most important thing you have to do. Obviously, they have to be relatively faster maneuverable. It's pretty hard to flank with like a lambda. You also have to be careful with the flank because one of the most important things when going for a flank is realizing what your opponent can do to counter the flank. If he has a rack to his right, 
that you're generally safe coming up that side because he can't turn in because of the rack. But if he has an open lane, then you should probably be a little bit more passive on trying to get that flank. Uh, take another turn because you don't want to have your flanking ship in the middle of no, in no man's land with the rest of your ships not in a position to assist. Yeah, the last thing you want is four ships turning in on your flanker. And that's why I always try to drag them through the rocks, if possible, if I'm trying to flank with the ship. They have the least amount of options they can go. Try to funnel them if you can. You don't want your flanker caught with his pants down. I think we've all had those, like, oh, crap moments with our ace or our flanker. Like, oh, didn't see that coming. And now you're doing everything you can to just not get shot and not die. Especially if you're both coming at each other because there's a good chance that your ace or your flanker is going to get blocked. And that's terrible. No bueno. Also, you always want to be careful of enemy baits. And, like, I learned him with my games against uh, Staniszewski. He's a master at baiting. <laughs> and uh, your flanking ship. You don't want to chase even though you feel like you have a good opportunity because uh, what will end up happening is all of a sudden you have four shots on your uh, flanking ship and not many ships like to take four shots in the middle of no man's land. You know, especially if uh, he's so so far out on the flank that your other couple ships can't really even support him or run interference or flank or become the new flankers. Yeah, Essentially, like if you hang your flanker out to dry and your other two or three or four ships are just like, oh, we're trying to save you, but it's just a futile attempt. That is a one of the hardest parts about triple aces, too, is knowing when your flanker is about to not be the flanker anymore. Knowing when to disengage with your flanker and then have your other ships come in and be the new flankers. Because if they sell out on a flanker, usually the rest of your list can hard engage and be safe for at least one turn, probably two turns, because they're going to have to turn around. And just having a feel for that, seeing the obstacle placement, seeing his ships and the lanes, and then there's a lot of moments where threats just change from turn to turn. So you want to be a little bit more, have your ships be able to sell out, get to a defensive position when you have triple aces. For sure. And, you know, your opponent's also, hopefully, probably doing the same kind of analysis, right? So you have to recognize which one of their ships is going to be flanking and baiting and supporting and all that. So how do you how would you react to that one, Cody? It depends on layouts and all that. Um, like I said, you have to get a read of the obstacles, uh, generally, if you have triple aces, you probably shouldn't engage for a couple of turns. And you should be studying what his tendencies are for those couple of turns. Uh, trip aces, like, one of the things you want to study, which is, and you can go into a tangent about, is how fast they are setting the dials. Because you want to get a feel for how many turns you're going to get in this game. If they're taking a while, then you're going to have to play aggressive because you might only get eight turns. If they're relatively fast, then you can be a lot more passive because you might get like 16 turns in the game. 
but really it just depends on obstacle placement. I try to, one of the things I learned is when you want to do a turn, change it to a bank, as long as it's not going to put you on an obstacle. That lets you disengage if they decide to turn in a little bit easier. Likewise, if you're going against a higher initiative ship like Suntir, if you wanted to do a two-speed maneuver, you should probably turn it to a one-speed maneuver so you have a wider arc. That's one of those how-to-defeat a in-game peace ship that wins by double repositioning. Yeah, you just don't want to overcommit to the ace that can potentially... Like, I mean, Cody, you and I were talking about this earlier this week about people people tend to go in fast towards the ace when they need to actually s- slow down and just the, the wider the arc is, the more... Because the ace wants to be close to you, either to do damage to you or to just, oh, barrel roll boost, you can't shoot me now. They want to be close to you. So if you if you turn that one if you turn that one two bank into a one bank, you've, you've lim- eliminated that room they want to go into. Now they may have dialed in a three bank and there's nothing you can do about it, but you generally want to like slow your roll a little bit and be like, this is this is where you cannot be, as opposed to like if you if you do a three bank in towards soon tier, and he just three straights past you, there's nothing you can do. But if you have one banked, who knows? Arrange three shots, always better than arrange one shot. And then, like you said, Suntir, Suntir, if he's going to get shot at, generally wants a bullseye. That way he gets his focus. If you have other ships and you're able to make it so he's either taking two shots, but he has, like, the evade and focus, or he's only taking one shot and he doesn't have any mods, generally he's... That's tough to tell. Like you're putting him in a bad position, and you're making him think a lot harder in the game. You're stressing him out, like in real life, so he's more prone to make mistakes in the future. Yeah, a lot of the uh, low agility kind of AC style ships only want maybe at most one person shooting at them. If they start getting two, especially three, they're just in a world of hurt. So you definitely want to try to slow roll up on them, kind of recognize what your opponent's doing, see their escape routes, see where they're most likely kind of go. Yeah, like if I mean, a Whisper's not like a prominent force in the meta right now, but she's still a good ship. Like you just, you know, if you're going against a Whisper, you need to analyze what can she, where can she decloak, and then what are her options after the decloak, and then just try to give yourself like the widest possible option to potentially deal with that because yeah whisper doesn't want to take more than two shots at max if she starts taking three four shots whisper's going to take damage and with whisper you also have to worry about the rest of the list yeah she has like a grand inquisitor like grand inquisitor is going to be really hard to kill if he's the last ship but he's not really worth the investment to kill early game either because he's hard to kill but he doesn't do much damage. And he's he's 52 points. He's really, like, for an I-5, he's really cheap. I-5, two force with a decent ability. Like, he's he's a steal. So if they have something like uh, Whisper, Grand Inquisitor, I definitely would sell out on Whisper. And another thing I try to do with my triple aces is set up 2v1s. So I'll try to bait with one ship and then get my other two ships in, 
because a lot of people will split up formations or if they even have a formation. And if I can get two silencers against your one Vader, I feel like I'm going to win that engagement. Yeah, you generally should because Darth Vader does take damage. He's not invincible. He doesn't have the evade. For sure. Well, is there anything we would like to continue talking about for just ship roles in general, or are we good to go? I think, yeah, like, like we said, it's just, it's important to know like what your ship can and can't do. I think a lot of people want to play Darth Vader. Like he's this, like we talked about earlier, he's this end game ace. Who's going to just solo a whole list, which Darth Vader can do that. But I think Darth Vader's role a lot of the time is he's just going to come in. He's going to be Darth Vader and he's a hammer. Essentially. He's just going to destroy as he's going to destroy more points than he's worth. You just essentially need to know like what your ship can and cannot do. Like Sun, Sun Fox can be a great end game piece, but he also can take out the I six and I fives that are going to make Chertek and Grievous's life a lot more difficult because he's probably going to end up dying at some point. So yeah, it's just, it's just important knowing what your ships can and cannot do. Know what your ships can and cannot do. Know what your opponent's ships can and cannot do. And knowing what your opponent is going to try to do with his or her ships. Seems like those are very important. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, to our third episode. You know, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us out, email us at thebestmanbenchwarmers at gmail.com. You can also follow us at Twitter at mibenchwarmers. We'll uh, see you next time. Have a great two weeks, everybody. Peace.